Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Diana. Hi, and I'm Annie. Yay! <laughs> and I am sitting in Anne's living room, and we're going to do an exciting uh, <laughs> double episode here today. By double, I mean two people. Yes. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm so that self-conscious. That's ah, okay. <laughs> you don't have to look any of them in the face. They're just That's there true. listening. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I look this just like I did in parts of the podcast where Diana That's right. talks about me. In the 40 years ago parts of the podcast. Same. I look exactly the same. Totally fine. <laughs> Pay no attention to the lady behind the curtain. <laughs> I still have the cow apron. Yes. yes. We're going to put a picture up of the cow apron. Yeah. yeah. And today in the cow apron. <laughs> so we just had a lovely dinner. Yeah. In your, in your kitchen. So Doris. With your purple chairs, Mabel. <laughs> How have you been? I've been great, you know. The last oh 10 God. years have not been good to me, but it's all right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's we so were... so strange. Whoever thought we'd end up on a podcast together. Whoever thought. <laughs> well, we talked about other places we'd end up together, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. The old age home. Yes. Rocking chairs and huge Polynesian drinks. Yes. <laughs> Those drinks were so gross. We were just remembering that we used to go get these big Polynesian drinks and everybody would drink out of the same cup. Yeah. With separate straws. They'd have four long straws. And yeah. And yeah, you can't do that anymore. No. Yeah. This is not COVID okay. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> and I distinctly remember that I asked you that if I ever got to be 600 pounds, at least shoot me. <laughs> At one point. Oh, I'm glad that never happened. I'm glad that never happened. I know. Telling oh my me. God. But I'm 600 pounds, you guys know. No, no. Not true. <laughs> not true. So, Yay. Wow. It's been such a long friendship we've had. Yes, it has. Yes, it really has. Unbelievably enough. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And yeah. I'm so glad that we're still sitting here on your couch and... i know me too i know yay and, and that we both have enough memory left to oh. talk about <laughs> what we used to do <laughs> yeah so how did this idea come along that we would be sitting here together you mean doing a podcast together doing this episode together oh because i started listening to your podcast <laughs> so I, I don't remember i guess we had gone to dinner and you told me you were doing a podcast and I started listening to it, and I just loved it. It just speaks to so many universal themes yeah. for people who lived through the era that we lived in. And then anyway, I had written a story a while back about you and about being in college with you. And so I shared it with you on email, I guess. And you said, oh, will you come read this on my podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Yeah. I was like, can I share it at first? And then I was like, I don't want to read it. How about you read it? (laughs) Because it's really wonderful. It's about Anne when you first met me. Correct. That was so fun and some crazy stories. And one great story from college that I had completely forgotten to tell you guys. And Anne reminded me on this story that she wrote. So I'm really happy for her to (laughs) share that one. He did some insane thing. I did tell him about the monster cheese block, didn't I? I don't know. But... <laughs> and the horrible omelet that we oh, had. Yes, with an entire block of monster cheese in it. And you told them about how we wore strange costumes to different parties. Yeah, punk parties. Punk parties. Punk yeah, rock, the, the Rathskeller. The punk rock days. We did our best to look tough and punkish. I don't know if we succeeded it when I we look didn't. at pictures from those days we look awfully cute (laughs) yeah much too cute to be punk rockers (laughs) definitely not grungy enough i don't think we scared anyone no definitely did not did you have any memories from like the birdman dorm and stuff that came up that i had not said um, other than the ones I wrote in the story, um, I don't know. There there were lots of... Didn't we? Maine. I think I forgot. Like, did we go up and visit Payson? We did. In Maine? We went to Maine. Completely forgot to write about that. We went to Falmouth. Falmouth. Yeah. Wow. I do remember Home once. of young Republicans. <laughs> yeah. Did you talk about when we were driving home from Boston and we got lost, like somewhere in New Hampshire, because you were... I was thinking about Dave. We were thinking about Dave, and then we stopped and asked directions, and somebody, we said, we're trying to get to New York. And we got one of those. Sorry, you can't get there from here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That Um, thing that you think people only hear in the movies. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I remember uh, sitting in the common room, you know, that was in the front of the Bay State Road dorm with... Chris Dunn and playing Bruce Springsteen songs. Yay. He played the saxophone. Bruce. Yes. And, uh, oh gosh, Karen Moskowitz, remember her? Oh my God. <laughs> the Grateful Dead followers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Zippy the Pinhead. Yes. Yeah, Zippy I, the Pinhead. I still don't know what Zippy the Pinhead is all about, actually, <laughs> I must say. But they used to go around the dorm in crazy costumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'd follow the Grateful Dead, like, for months, right? Yeah. Karen and Joel. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was crazy. I think she people be a doctor like eventually. I wonder was if she, she ever became a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got to get those crazy things out, and then you can be serious and focus on your life. Exactly. Yeah, I don't Tell know. Tell them what you do now. What do I do now? Yeah. Okay. Well, I work at a state university, and I am a student advisor, and I also teach courses in human sexuality. Woohoo! Woohoo! And it's a lot of fun. I love working with my students and it's been a crazy kind of couple of years because I work in a department of public health. So we've all been sort of at the forefront of the whole COVID thing. So I work with a number of epidemiologists. They tell me when to put my mask on and when not to put my mask on. So, and I, uh, I have to say, it's been a hard time for young people. So I really feel, you know, it's funny listening to your podcast and talking about our college years. I feel we were very blessed and yeah. very free to go around kind of doing what we wanted and taking chances. Drinking out of the same bowl. Drinking out of the same bowl. <laughs> 
Passing that bottle of Riunini. Uh, Southern Comfort. Do you remember that horrible one? We played some card game or something. Yeah, I'll tell you a memory I have. So, and this would have been, I think, in our sophomore year, maybe, maybe our freshman year, but I came to New York with you for some holiday. I think it was Thanksgiving break or mm-hmm. something like that. Where you barely knew me. Yes. And you <laughs> brought me to Times Square because oh. we were going to get fake IDs that we could bring back to Boston. Uh-huh. And were they already changing the Yeah, I think we weren't of drinking, drinking age? age yet. It must have switched to 21. So at least or in, 20 or something. Yes, yeah, something. But we couldn't get in and we wanted to go. Dang. We wanted to go to this bar where people would play quarters and they would give you a pitcher of beer. Oh, and yeah. Bounce your quarter. Oh, and... in Nanuet? You mean? No, no, no. This was in Boston. Boston. We wanted to go oh, okay. to one of the bars in Boston. And so we went to Times Square, which was not the Times Square of today. No. It was a most. Very skeevy and scary. Interesting place full of interesting <laughs> characters. And so we went to some seedy place and we got these fake driver's licenses. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember going back to Boston and all our great excitement as we were going to go use these fabulous fake IDs that we probably paid, you know, $25. No, $25. <laughs> That was a lot of money, $25. And he went up to the door to the bouncer, and he kind of looked, took one look and laughed and laughed and said, uh-uh, sorry. Nope. Sorry. So, yeah. But he didn't take them away? No, he didn't take them away, he didn't but take he didn't them away. Like, either. You can go try somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Let's see. I remember going with Payson to the medieval manor yeah which didn't exist all over the country then it was no it was just that one place it was just this one place in boston and it was really strange yeah strange time and funny yeah funny. do you remember when he got we got flashed with michelle on the way home no that guy who like he came and he opened his jacket and we were so drunk and michelle leaned forward and jen just laughed at him <laughs> she was like it's <laughs> and she just starts cracking up. I don't remember that, that at all. So hilarious. <laughs> Are you sure it was me? <laughs> I think we were all there together. Anyway. Good times. They were good times, yeah. And we had some crazy names for each other. Doris and Mabel. Doris and Mabel. Trouble and Mischief. Trouble and Mischief. What were Doris and Mabel? Were they like our old lady names? Yeah, they were our old lady our names. Our old lady names. Yeah. You had that book, When I'm Old, I Will Wear Purple. Yeah. And then other names. Else that I we used know. to we, sign we had, we letters. Had a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah, we had a bunch of them. Yeah. I don't remember them silly. all. We made up new ones all the time. Yeah. So I do also remember one time when I got a bouquet of flowers from a secret admirer. Ooh. It was very exciting. And for weeks, I tried to discover. Do you remember this? Mm-mm. For weeks, I tried to discover who it was. And you were helping me try to discover <laughs> who it was. And man, it was just. You know, we tried to do investigative journalism because yeah. we were journalists. Right. And we were trying to look for <laughs> clues and we interrogated people or whatever. And it turned out to be you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I kept a secret for weeks. I did. Right. Aww. Yeah. And I remember when we had the ham on our fireplace. The ham. Because your mother had sent us this giant Virginia Ham. She sent us home from Thanksgiving, I think. With what I thought she sent it in the mail, oh, but anyway, okay. we had this giant 
ham and we kept it, it didn't out of the fireplace. fit in the fridge well i always told my kids that story because i told them if they wanted to be popular in college get they a should ham. have a ham because don't you remember <laughs> like it was like the hungry college boy then you hear this tap on your door you guys got any ham? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. Book me up. Opening the coat. Like, here's my ham. Right. Forget selling drugs. Sell <laughs> ham. <laughs> You'll make a lot more money. It was kind of gross that we kept it on the fire escape. It was. Right? It was. But I guess we were high enough that it didn't, nothing seemed to bother. Yeah, but what about it. pigeons? I don't know. They didn't seem to bother. I guess we had it in the right kind of wrapping or something. And what about rats? Like rats climb fire escapes. We didn't know that. I know. They didn't seem to bother it, though. They didn't. I don't know. That was weird. We were strange people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But also highly desirable and sexy. As long as we have the ham. That's right. (laughs) Anyway. So fun. Yeah. Well, you want to read your story? Sure. Sure, sure, I will. Okay. So Anne's a wonderful writer. Okay, so this was a story that I wrote. I was going to enter it in a story, I don't know, forum or whatever, and I just had stuck it in a box. And then when Diana started her podcast, I told her about it, and she said, oh, you got to dig it up and send it to me. So I did. And so here it is. It's called My Partner in Crime. Yay! (laughs) That's me, that's me. I grew up on the outskirts of a dying industrial town. Although I had always conceived of my town as northern, I realized in my adult years after I had moved to New York that it had many qualities that situated it in the south. A slower pace, heavy humidity, the boys I went to high school with who held their beers like badges of honor. Boys that I wanted to get far away from. I grew up in what I realize now was an unusually stable family with parents who were liberal in their political views but very conventional in their values and lifestyle, devoted to their children, steady jobs, dinner at six, saving their money to send their children off to college. In a word, to my teenage sensibilities, boring. By the time I got to the end of high school, I was accomplished, star of the senior play, salutatorian at my graduation, winner of statewide awards for acting and poetry and music, but I was socially delayed, lacking in confidence, awkward, quiet, bookish, and desperately shy. Some of that came from being a smart girl who tried, and remember, this was before Bill Gates became rich and famous, making being a nerd cool, which it most definitely was not before that. I swam among a sea of stoner kids, who aspired to work at the phone company or among the girls as they all uniformly stated beneath their yearbook pictures to get married. Not me, not for me, not what I wanted. When it was my turn to leave home, I went to Boston, as far from the empty suburbs of my mid-Atlantic town as I could get without regularly having to get on a plane, which I couldn't afford. Boston, I believed, was my ticket to the life I dreamed of, a focus on all the things I thought I would accomplish, an adorable little apartment in the city, a fun friendship like Mary and Rhoda's, remember (laughs) them, adventure and possibility, cute clothes, hats in the air. At the time, I didn't realize how provincial I was compared to the people I would encounter that one day in a meeting during my junior year journalism internship at Boston Magazine, 
An editor would ridicule me for not realizing that couples regularly spend thousands of dollars on weekend getaways, which to my solidly middle-class understanding seemed like an outrageous sum to drop on just two or three days' leisure. That I would spend my winter breaks working at Pizza Hut while my classmates took ski vacations in Switzerland. That one day, far in the future, I would wind up feeling strangely like Dickens' Pip, who went off to find his fortune and wound up wishing he had never left the home he knew and the honest people he loved, however simple and unexotic they might have seemed to him in his childhood. But back then, when it was time to get away, I could hardly wait. I met Diana in my freshman year, a tall, statuesque bombshell with long blonde hair, big brown eyes, and curves that wouldn't quit. She looked a little like Marilyn Lang, the 1975 Playmate of the Year. I know you're going to all go look her up now. <laughs> so you can figure out what Diana looked like Google, Google. People turned around to watch her go by when she passed on the street. She was so different from me, a New Yorker, worldly. She spoke several languages and spent summers in Italy, had a decidedly unconventional and bluntly outspoken lesbian mother who, when I first met her, came gliding down the hall of our dormitory on roller skates. <laughs> Diana knew ballet and could recite Shakespeare by heart. While I was reserved and reticent, Diana was brave and brash. Walking through Kenmore Square once, she was catcalled by four young men in a brown sedan. And without even a moment's hesitation, she stood in front of the car in the middle of traffic, placed her hands on the hood with a bang, and glared at them through the front windshield. Eat me, she bellowed, <laughs> to the consternation of several passers-by and the shocked delight of the young men in the car. I was in awe. I could only aspire to the display of such seeming conviction and self-assurance, much less to the use of such outrageous language, with my father in my head admonishing me whenever I swore even mildly. And that's not very ladylike. Even her name was a revelation, Diana Athena, who names their daughter after two wise and powerful goddesses. Inside, though, I found a heart of gold full of generosity, sensitivity, and kindness. We became fast friends, accompanying each other on all the adventures that Boston and college life had to offer. Late nights at Aku Aku, where we ordered ridiculously oversized Polynesian drinks, Afternoons spent at the Raskeller, a basement bar where we played Edith Piaf endlessly on the jukebox, wore berets, and tried to look intellectual and poetic. Bleary mornings in a required statistics class with a professor we struggled to understand and about whom we made up songs, bringing on paroxysms of suppressed laughter in the midst of dreary lectures. Weekends singing with our self-created a cappella group, the Off Key Three, at hotel dive bars, and once famous, but now in the disco turned punk new wave era, somewhat neglected Back Bay and Cambridge coffee houses with histories of dedication to folk music. As our freshman year came to a close, we decided that the following year we should become roommates. We went to room selection, which in those days took place in a gym or multi-purpose room because computers did not yet exist and triumphantly chose our next abode a room on the alley side of a Bay State Road brownstone, coveted housing for Boston University undergraduates. In our excitement, we ran to our new dorm to meet the 30-some juniors, sophomores, and freshmen who were already in residence and who would become our dorm mates in the coming year. 
To our surprise, though the majority of dorms on campus were now co-ed, a reasonably new but now widespread phenomenon following the cultural revolutions that took place in the decade before our arrival at university, our future dorm mates were all boys. We had been invited to live in what was apparently the last all-male dorm on campus. It was an unholy mess, and apparently the university had determined that the best way to domesticate its supposedly somewhat wild fraternity-like atmosphere was to allow women to move in. We were not wanted. The prevailing view was that our feminine energy would ruin everything, with the strongest objections coming from a soon-to-be junior class stalwart Eagle Scout and self-proclaimed all-American male, son of a physician from Falmouth, Maine, who was not above posting a no girls allowed sign in the window of his street-facing first floor room. He didn't do it, but he was not above it. I was used to this feeling of being the unwelcome interloper. I grew up with two brothers who shared a room together full of brown and plaid and model airplanes, who went on fishing trips with our cousins from New Jersey to which I was not invited, even though I loved fishing because women were considered bad luck on the boat, who had a tree house in our backyard accessed by a rope that, even if I had been welcome, I would have been unable to climb as I didn't have the upper body strength. At night, in my room, I could hear them talking, laughing, fighting, sharing a life to which I was not privy. My childhood was overlaid with a veneer of loneliness, long afternoons spent by myself. The boys in the new dorm called themselves the Birdmen. The brownstone in which they lived was situated directly underneath the Sitco sign that dominates Kenmore Square and distinguishes the Boston skyline visible as it is from Cambridge and from Fenway Park. Anyone who has been to Boston, especially to Back Bay, knows the sign, a familiar if not famous landmark. Their Birdmen Club came complete with special signs, thumb and forefinger together held upside down and circling the eyes with the remaining three fingers cupping the jaw, creating a mask of sorts and secret rituals like some low-rent BU version of the Skull and Crossbones or one of those Harvard eating clubs that were hard-pressed to admit women in those early days of second-wave feminism. The most revered of the secret rituals for the Birdmen we soon came to learn once we had moved into the dorm was to climb the Sitco sign together in the dead of night, hence the origin of the Birdmen moniker. Of course, Diana and I wanted to be Birdmen too. And before long, to our great delight, on one Saturday night, when we and our dorm mates were all in various states of inebriation, the Birdmen agreed to take us to the top of the sign. We crept outside and went stealthily into the alley behind our building with some eight or ten Birdmen, all of us giddy with excitement, teenagers, most of us, high on our still relatively newfound independence and the idea of breaking the rules. I was wholly unprepared for the occasion and dressed entirely inappropriately for such an escapade in two tight pants and platform shoes. Hey, it was the 80s. <laughs> My hair was also in a god-awful perm that I can hardly bear to look at now when I see pictures from that era. Up the fire escape I went with everyone else, my shoes clanging on the metal stairs like a fire alarm bell, hardly helping if the birdmen had intended to keep our progress up the side of the building a secret and truly doing what I did that night in shoes designed for breaking one's neck even on the most solid of ground, it's a wonder that I lived. 
Having reached the top landing of the fire escape, the next requirement in this midnight climbing rite was to hoist oneself up the remaining few feet of the brick wall and over a lip to get onto the roof of the building that housed the famous sign. When it was my turn, I hiked myself up as far as I could, but there was that issue of no upper body strength. And though I could possibly have thrown my leg over the wall and used my lower body strength to get myself up, to my dismay when I attempted that gymnastics-like maneuver, I discovered that there was just nothing between me and my Calvins. My pants were way too tight. I couldn't lift my leg high enough to get it over the wall without risking an embarrassing rip up the back seam of my jeans. As I tried my best, but largely unsuccessfully, to use my upper arm strength to pull myself up onto the roof, the next thing I knew, without any warning, some bird man behind me cheerfully put his hands flat out on my ass and unceremoniously <laughs> heaved me up and over the wall, both of us laughing at the absurdity of the move and the taboo of the too familiar touch. Though the reality of it was, in my state of too tight dress, there really would have been no other way. Once atop the building, I teetered my way over to the 60-foot ladder that went up the side of the actual Sitgo sign. Did I mention how afraid I am of heights? But I was not going to not go. Diana was already on top, in her element, surrounded by boys. They all loved her, by the way, those birdmen, her warmth, outgoingness, and blonde beauty attracting them like moths to the proverbial flame. One or another of them was always sitting outside our dorm room door, pining away, waiting to see her when she returned from class. Anyway, to this day, I wonder what I looked like climbing up the side of that sign in my tight pants and platform shoes, shaking like a leaf, trying not to look down, imagining the letter my parents would receive from the school were I to slip and fall. At the top, it was magical, though, the twinkling lights of the city spanning out in all directions, the noise of the red and white opposite-going streams of cars on Starro Drive, a distant whir, the bracing New England air making our cheeks rosy, our youthful eyes sparkling in the night. Not long after that, I went home with Diana for a holiday break, and one day on our way from one place to another near her house, we passed a gas station. Not an ordinary gas station, a sitgo, of course. And there, bolted to a metal bar about as tall as we were, was a thin metal sign bearing the red triangular Sitco symbol. Wow, wouldn't that look great on the mantle of the fireplace in our <laughs> brownstones common room? Would we or would we not be heroines if we came back from the holiday break with that in our trunk? Were we full of big ideas or what? We had <laughs> to have that sign. So sensibly, we decided to come back later that night and steal it. I can look back now and see us, how absolutely silly we must have looked, these two girls with positively cherubic faces, big eyes, and little chipmunk cheeks, all dressed in black, sneaking out from behind that deserted gas station in the middle of the night, trouble and mischief personified. We even wore black ski hats, having watched one too many episodes of Starsky and Hutch in our misspent childhoods. We took out the trusty wrench we had pinched from Diana's mother's toolbox and piece of cake, we thought to ourselves, pop off the bolts, shove the sign in the back of the Honda, take off for Boston and Birdman glory. But of course, if you've ever tried to loosen a bolt that's been sitting in the same place through rain, snow, sleet and hail for 45 years, you know that those bolts were never going to budge. Plus, there was that upper body strength thing. We tried mightily, though. We took turns being the lookout and the wrench wielder. 
We knew nothing about WD-40 or any kind of trick that would probably have made the job a whole lot easier that maybe would have even made our weird college student dreams come true. Finally, Diana, with a unique and truly unladylike expression and more than a few tears of frustration, managed to get one of the bolts to turn a quarter of an inch. And that's when we heard the sirens. I would like to tell you that we got arrested that night because it would make for a much better story. But instead, criminals that we were, we threw the wrench in our waiting duffel bag, jumped in the car, and took off down the road at breakneck speed like Thelma and Louise, who hadn't even been imagined yet, with the police in hot pursuit. As the cops closed in, Diana, not truly being corrupt, pulled over to the side of the road, turned off the car, and waited, hanging her head, and then watched incredulously as the police sped by us, apparently on their way to some less ridiculous crime scene, oblivious to the fact that they had driven right past two hardened convicts to be, sitting with their eyes wide and their hearts beating hard beneath their ninja black sweatshirts, waiting for the long arm of the law to catch them red-handed. As the blue and red flashing lights disappeared round the bend, we looked at each other and laughed. We laughed until we nearly peed in our pants. (laughs) How ironic that, in seeking acceptance into a club of boys, I found sisterhood. How glorious to have such a partner in crime with whom to spend my college years, and what wonderful times we had. But time flies, and in the blink of an eye, we all graduated and went our separate ways, off to the triumphs and setbacks that awaited us in our futures. The stalwart All-American Eagle Scout, to everyone's great surprise, turned out to be gay. Diana and I lived around the corner from each other for some of those post-college years, but in the end, unfortunately, boys wound up getting in the way of our sisterhood. By our mid-twenties, Diana was married and off to her hometown to start the conventional family she dreamed would make her life normal. And I, during a period of extreme loneliness and vulnerability that ensued as all my friends got married and moved away, abandoned my inclination to never get married myself. We're still in touch 40 years later, Diana and I, now both divorced and maybe wondering why we hadn't committed to and banked on our sisterhood and friendship rather than worshiping at the altar of holy matrimony all those years ago. We see each other more these days and try to catch up on the years lost to time and child raising and other pursuits, laughing about our girlhood promises to one day sit in our rocking chairs on the porch at the old folks home together, wearing purple dresses and red berets and sipping Polynesian drinks. But we will never again be able to recapture those feelings we felt when we lived in Boston two sweet children smitten with life in a northern town and with each other and with all of the life that lay ahead of us, full of joy and hope and so much fun and laughter and so many great expectations. The end. (laughs) Great expectations, Pip. (laughs) Nice. So beautifully written. Thank you. Yay. Aw, thank you for those stories. On memories. So fun. Yeah. I can't believe those crazy guys climbed all those things. Remember, they would climb like anything. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that weird water tower that we went and climbed at one point with Dante. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Off on some rock somewhere. So we're doing a road trip tonight, right? Sure, yeah. We're going to climb the... The uh, stairs? The stairs, In the Yay. old age home, right. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, my God. I wonder if students still climb that sign. I bet Sitchell you they sign? don't. Yeah. I bet you they don't. I know. It's probably been blocked off and... 
I would imagine you can't get there. There isn't that kind of possibility, it seems. You yeah. Know? The long arm of the law, as you said, cracks down, <laughs> cracks down too hard. It's a wonder we weren't caught that night. That was crazy. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's a wonder Aww. we weren't caught at many things. Yes. So. Live to tell the tale. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Otherwise, could you see us sitting in a cell somewhere? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> With our, didn't we take like burnt corks and yes, put some we did. black on we, our face? We, we did. We, we tried to really <laughs> Too many movies. Apart. Yes. Too, many, Too movies. many movies. I'm sure that if the comps had stopped, they would have just laughed Yeah, I've been and like, laughed. really? Really? <laughs> oh, my God. Really, you guys? <laughs> The dark stuff on your face is really... <laughs> yeah, nice makeup job. <laughs> Aww. Well, anyway. thank you so much for sharing that. Mm. That was such fun. You're welcome. It's fun to do it. It's, yeah. It's fun to be a part of your storytelling. Yeah, my storytelling journey. All right, so we sign off. Okay. Yeah? Do we do anything special to no. sign off? No, you've heard them all, right? Uh, don't we have a song we should sing? <laughs> <Love>. <laughs> Yeah, life in a northern town. <laughs> uh, I've been singing lately, haven't I? I've sung a lot of things. Yes, you have, yeah. Uh, I don't think we had a theme song, did we? I cannot remember the words to Ooh, You Hurt Me, Bill. Oh. <laughs> Aw. So Anne reminded me because William Hurt just died, and Anne reminded me that we had written a song about him called Ooh, You Hurt Me, Bill. But I don't remember most of it. Yeah, I don't. I can't remember. It. I have it somewhere. I'm somewhere. sure. Yeah, in the yeah. stacks. I'll send it to you one day soon. Yeah, and yeah. then we'll sing it. Well, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. And thank you. Yeah, nice to see you all out there, <laughs> or hear you all. However Come on back another time. Okay. This was a bonus episode. Nice long one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Bye. All right. See you next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.